Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. Having the accident showed me that life is fragile and that I gotta, I gotta really take seriously the things that I say that I believe. And the Lord used that to really wake me up to my faith. Uh, eventually, I, I think that summer I gave my life over to Christ. One of the points of discipleship is to, one, follow, but the other is to build a relationship. In fact, Jesus being God loves us perfectly. He knows what's going to be best. And so his teachings are for our benefit. Tom Wilcox exists to help people who want to grow as Christians for them to become deeply committed in their faith. After years of being a nominal Christian, God used a death-defying injury to wake Tom up to the importance of his faith. After the death of a very close friend of his, Colin, God knocked on his door again to teach him how important it is that he share his faith with others. Today, Tom spends his time learning, growing, and teaching Christians and those who are curious about the faith of what it means to be a mature disciple of Jesus. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the People of Purpose podcast. I'm so excited to feature you today, a longtime friend, um, podcast manager, um, inspiring um, discipleship uh, teacher. Um, it's it's going to be a really good conversation. I'm excited to, um, for people, the world to get to know you a little bit more today. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's pretty neat. We've had a lot of touch points in our life. I I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought, I think Tanner is the closest friend that I've never met. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. So. We've never met in person. We tried, and then COVID kind of happened as I was passing through the Philippines. Um, but yeah, we've yeah. never met in person. Uh, but we've, yeah, been we've always lived really close to each other too and just never knew that. Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening, Tom is from Kansas. I'm from Kansas. Tom got married and moved to Southeast Asia. I did the same. I went to <laughs> Thailand. He went to the Philippines. Um, <laughs> I have now moved back to Kansas and Tom is in the process of figuring out how to move back to Kansas. So one day we will get to meet each other in person. And the world will end. Whoa, they met. Uh-oh. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, yeah. how did we get to know each other? It was because of People of Purpose, right? It was an episode with uh, uh, Daniel. Is that right? Yep. What had happened was uh, Daniel went to the church that I used to attend when I was uh, in the States. And um, I was... Uh, trying to do some business things and help people with some audio stuff. And he's like, Hey, well, I know this person that does a podcast. Maybe you could help them with their audio. They might need something like that. And so it's funny because our relationship really started on a, I just want to be able to, uh, to make ends meet kind of thing. Right. And the Lord, I mean, I'm sure the story will come up later, but uh, the short version of it, the Lord just really, worked in both of our circumstances to cause it to be a really like serving relationship, like uh, getting to pour into you and having my own motives changed and everything else. And like you said, you even got the opportunity to serve you for a while on the people purpose podcast by 
helping managing stuff from the back end. That, that was really an amazing thing. But like I said, the most the most amazing for me is where it developed and how um, how we got to go from there. I don't want to spoil that. I'll let you talk about like what we get to do together. But uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, I've always loved this about hosting and creating people of purpose is you never know what, what comes of it. Um, but getting to meet you has been one of the many special gifts, um, along the journey. I'm really grateful for our relationship and you've been, um, a spiritual mentor for me in a lot of ways. I'm excited for you to kind of share your story today. So you, you, you filled out your guest document and in there you kind of shared some about your purpose, um, that you want to serve both Christians and non-Christians um, that you want to help people understand what it means to be a genuine Christian, what the differences are to being a fake Christian. Um, I can say uh, in my life, you've really matured my my faith walk in in numerous ways. But yeah, I want to hear your story about um, kind of what what do you think your sense of purpose is? You know, what are some of the things that you've done to to kind of realize that that's your purpose? I think where best place to start is because I know there's it's just all wrapped up together. So I guess I'll start with uh, what you were talking about with the difference between genuine Christianity and not so genuine Christianity. Uh, there's a term that Mike Winger, he's the host of uh, Bible Thinker. I just really enjoy uh, listening to him. I don't get paid to mention him. I just really enjoy his style and the way that he, he teaches and really thinks through things. Anyway, be that as it may, they were talking about this specific problem as well as like what's called pop Christians. So people who grew up in a place like you and I grew up in uh, where it's a very Christian kind of area, everything's using the Christian terms or the Jesus terms or the faith terms, but there's not actually any living out of that. Right. And so that does a few things. One uh, that deceives the person who is in that kind of pop pop Christian mindset, because then they think, oh, yeah, you know, I'm good. I go to church once a week. That's fine. And two, that provides just more reason for the world to be like, well, there's nothing different with these people. They swear, curse, and drink just like I do. What? The only difference is they go to church once a week. Why in the world would I want to subscribe to that? I can get that right here. And so it's a really harmful mindset. So what happened is I used to live in that mindset. I lived in that mindset for a very, very, very long time. Uh, but the Lord used uh, an accident uh, that uh, almost cost me my life to wake me up to, hey, if I'm going to say I'm going to be a Christian, I better be a Christian. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's where that started. Uh, he used several things down the line, um, like my, my friends, one of my, my very, very close friends, he, he died. Uh, I'd spent, you know, let me go and just launch into that. Can I just talk about that for a minute? Yeah, I was really, yeah, yeah the, your death-defying injury and your friend's death seem like pivotal moments in your walk. So, yes, definitely would like to hear about those. All right, so which one do you want to, which one do you want to ask first on? Um, well, you were about to go into your friend's uh, death, so maybe we could start there. All right, so I was uh, enjoying getting to be with my friend Colin. When I lived in the States, lived in Wichita, um, he used to be at this half coffee house there, he'd work there, and one of my mutual friends was his mutual friends and, you know, introduced us kind of like Daniel interests you and I and we just mm -hmm. hit it off and we enjoy spending time together. 
So Colin and I really enjoyed spending time together. He was a musician. I was running a music business at the time. Works really nicely. <laughs> um, but he had left the uh, the cult of Mormonism when he was uh, when he was younger and moved out to Kansas. So he had experience with religion in the past, um, but he didn't have a really good idea of who Jesus was or any of this, right? So him and I would just chat about Jesus, like the real Jesus, like the Jesus of the Bible, not the one that he'd been taught. And it was always like, yeah, you know, I think that's, I think that's right. I think that's true. I think that's really important. Not yet. I'm just not ready yet. And it's like, hey, man, you've already almost died like five times because he had uh, uh, several near-death experiences because of his drug addictions that he had in the past. And the Lord had allowed him to be clean for two years and everything. And it's just like, I don't think I'd be pushing your luck, man. Like one of these days you're going to almost die and then you're not going to make it to the other side. You got to make a decision, man. Anyway, I move over here and it was, I think, 2019 Mother's Day. I got the call from our mutual friend that my friend Colin had died. And by all evidences, he died without a relationship with Jesus. Uh, My mutual friend, he loved Colin just as much, probably more than I did. And to hear that he died uh, in his addiction and just the state that he was in and and the things he was doing and knowing that he never said yes, it really, uh, it really shook me. And it made me think, this is really important. What could I have done? Could I have prayed for him more? Should I have shared more directly? Should I have been more direct? Like, Hey man, you need to make a choice. Um, What could have I done to, to be there for him and although there's nothing i can do now uh the lord has used that to really instill into me how important it is to talk to people about christianity about jesus and to really live out a good example don't just be great at speaking about this show people that while you're saying there is hope there is actual hope show them that while you're saying there's transformation there is actual transformation Give them what they want, what they need, what they're longing for that the world that they're living in can't give them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what launched me to to be really focused on my faith in that way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I always really admire how how much you lean into people's lives and really have a, a depth of understanding of who a person is at their soul level. Um, you care so deeply for people. What was it about Colin specifically that um, got you so invested in, in him? Well, like I said, we just, we started off by having a friendship from our mutual friend. And uh, like I said, he was into music. I ran music. It just, we had a lot of commonality there, but the Lord really placed a love of him in my heart. And so I just wanted to be around him, wanted to pour into him. Mm Mm-hmm. How does that pair with your own death-defying injury? So the thing that got it all started with taking my faith seriously was that, uh, that death-defying injury you're talking about. So I don't know if you're aware of this. I don't know if it's ever actually came up in our conversations. Uh, has it before? Uh, I read about it when you gave me your testimony on how you became a Christian. You, you alluded to a, a neck injury. Um, where your neck was a smash, but I don't think we've really talked about it. Yeah, that's that's crazy. It's not all those weird things that we have 
very similar things. Like you had a death defying injury. I had a death defying injury. Mm-hmm. We're both, uh, of, uh, you know, a lighter skin tone in my, in my side of the world. I'm the rarity in your side of the world. It's the other way. Sorry. Um, I didn't mean to get woo risque anywhere and just having fun with things. Anyway. Um, okay. Back to the death defying injury thing. So I was hanging out in my grandparents' place in Oklahoma, which I love being there. That's probably the first place I want to go back to visiting once I get to the States. Just lots of trees, big valley, lots of grass, very wide open, right? Wide open. Anyway, this is the first time I got to bring a friend with me, which is a really rare occurrence. They've never let me do that before. Brought a friend with me. We go down there. My, dad, or my grandpa's cutting down some trees. Um, we're playing the spotters as we should be. So the tree is supposed to be here. One of us is over here. One of us is over here, you know, doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, apparently. Uh, well, what happens is as he's cutting this tree down, and this, these are big, you know, 20, 30 foot trees. As he's cutting this tree down. It gets hung up in some branches on related trees above it. And it starts ping ponging one way or the other. And I ran one way. My friend ran the other. And I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't get so lucky. Well, I would say that, but at the same time, the accident really did a lot for me. So like, I didn't get so lucky in getting the injury, but the, getting the injury was uh, really ended up being a good in the long run. What had happened is it cracked my skull. I've actually, when my head's shaved, mm. you can see it, but right now it's growing. I've got a giant check mark on top of my skull. I had uh, 11 staples in it and it uh, cracked my neck. They said I shouldn't be able to be walking. Oh. And I'm alive, so uh, that's uh, that was my thing. Oh, so what were what were those first thoughts when you got hit and you realized this was something really bad? Did you think you were gonna die? Uh, I don't remember thinking I was gonna die. I remember, and this is just how foolish I was at the time with my priorities. I remember thinking about uh, my relationship with the person that I was in a relationship with at that time. And it was a really weird and rocky relationship. And I was like, is this thing still going on? Cause I'm trying to figure out what was real and what wasn't at that time. Not from like a metaphysical standpoint, but like I'm coming in and out of it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what's going on around me. I'm, is this still happening? Yes, that's still happening. Okay. Uh, is this thing still happening? But uh, waking up in the hospital. So it was really hard to understand what reality was at the time. You were really basically unconscious or kind of have, like losing. I was severely disoriented. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was severely disoriented. Uh, they said I never lost consciousness. But even now, if I think back to it, it's, I can remember it, but it's like a dream. It feels yeah. like a dream. And I'm glad it did. I don't necessarily think I wanted to have been fully aware of, of 11 staples going into my skull. Probably not the best feeling. <laughs> But when I woke up, um, uh, things changed. I started realizing I need to be serious about what I'm believing. So, Right. What was your belief at that time? Was it? A- oh, I was thoroughly a pop Christian. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, very, very sketchy. Uh, very, I had ritualistic habits that were ritualistic habits, not churchy wise, but like because superstitious wise. And it it was really bad. And I remember being so scared of just things around me that I, I you know couldn't see that I would just surround myself with like knives or something. Like just sit in a circle of knives. I was really not following Jesus. I remember at that point in time in my life I had heavy addictions to porn, 
Uh, I was very violent. I stole a lot uh, <laughs> from my school, and I shouldn't have. And I was not hanging around people that were at all good influence. Not that that's all on them, but you know, part of the habits that I was into. It just it was a really bad deal, and I was not being a good influence on others either in that. And so, mm. really glad for for all that God has done. So, when did things start to shift for you, and you were re- becoming more of a genuine Christian? Like, did it just immediately happen the day after the accident or your friend's death, or was it a process? How did how did that transition take shape? Yeah, let's go with the process answer here. So, having the accident showed me that life is fragile and that I got to, I got to really take seriously the things that I say that I believe. And the Lord used that to really wake me up to my faith. Uh, eventually, I, I think that summer I gave my life over to Christ for some time really around that. Um, and then I just, the Lord started working on me one habit at a time, you know, now I'm not as violent. Now I'm not, uh, cursing as much. Now I wasn't, uh, doing the addictive behaviors I was doing as much. And it was, it was a slow process and it took time. Um, but it, it did happen eventually. And then, okay, that's great. You're no longer living like the world. What are you doing about your faith? Um, son, I'm so proud of you. You've cleaned the trash out of your room. Thank you for allowing me to help you with that. Now, what are you going to do? And that's, and that's where I was at, around the time that my, uh, that my friend died is like, okay, you're doing great. You're no longer living in this pattern, but what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your faith? And so the death of my friend really instigated, uh, in coupling with, with, um, the church that I was a part of, uh, they really had a wonderful pastor there who poured into me and was really like his big deal is, Hey, are we discipling people? And that's actually how you and I became into the discipleship relationship was through him. But it was like one thing, process, now the next thing, process. So do you want to share about um, your move to the Philippines and how that played a role in your journey? Yeah. So actually those things that I just mentioned, both the death of my friend and the, uh, the discipleship stuff between you and me took place after I'd moved over here. So this was what people call a big risk. And while I'm not sure exactly how this uh, will serve, I'll share it anyway, because it might be entertaining and fun for them to, fun for them to know. Uh, so I scraped and scrounged just about every penny I could to come over here. Uh, let's see, where do I want to start this? Our mutual friend, Daniel. We'll start with him again. It's fun. It's fun to start with our mutual friend, Daniel. He just pops up in random places. Anyway, so... I met my, my, who is now my wife online, um, talking to her for a while. She lives in the Philippines. Eventually, there was this competition going on between me and her former boyfriend. Uh, and I'm like, no, I want to get over there before he does. Like, nope, nope. She's my girlfriend. I'm going to go over there. This is what's going to happen. So at the time, I was doing some odd jobs for Daniel. Scratching together just about anything I could get. Got over there. Praise the Lord. Really happy. Uh, I was like, I love her. I love this place. I moved here. So I had just enough left to get a one-way return ticket. So I bought the one-way return ticket to the Philippines while I was still in the Philippines so that I knew, okay, I've got until this time and then I'm moving. It's already, it's already there. So we coordinated her and my brother or her and her brother, which is my brother, uh, 
I talked to him. We got the ring. I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry this person. We asked her parents before I, I left the first time. So, okay, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to post her. I don't have a way out. I really hope this works. <laughs> but yeah, she ended up uh, saying yes. And um, God's really used her a lot in, in my own life to work on my character as well. And our children. Uh, I really started off as kind of abusive husband, in my opinion. I, I don't think I was not the greatest husband for the first like year, half a year of our marriage or so. But uh, the Lord used the birth of our, our daughter to really work on me and our moving over here to uh, what used to be her parents' house. Um, and just to really remove a lot of habits. That's been a big story for me is God removing habits so speaking of how i said i think i was an abusive husband it's like i didn't realize it while i was doing it right um the holy spirit knocked on my door i was really angry and really controlling yeah i just it wasn't healthy at least not <laughs> not looking back on it and anyway having our daughter really forced me to let go of some of that and then moving some of that anger, especially, and then moving over here forced me to let go even more of that anger and more of that controlling us because now, hey, we were living with her family for the up until like four months ago, four or five months ago. Right. How did a relationship online get developed? Like, I don't think I, I've not ever met anyone else that um, built a relationship solely online. And then when they met, they basically started the marriage process. How did, uh, how did you feel so sure that this was the person um, without having been in person with her? Okay, well, um, so I just got done with another online relationship. It ended pretty, pretty quickly. I got ghosted because I did something I shouldn't have done, and I, I'm, you know, I'm fine with that. I get it. The fault's on me. Uh, so what I did was when I started talking to Pia, I told her, hey, up front, here's all the stuff that's ever, you know, probably going to come from issues of the past. Just want to not like, Hey, these are habits I'm doing, or Hey, these are things that I'm going to do. Hey, these are all the things that I've done that aren't so great. Uh, I just want to let you know up front. <laughs> and her response, I mean, you got to remember, this is like one of our very first conversations, but this is what sold me on her. Her response is, Hey, I forgive you. That's in your past. That's not who you are because we're both Christians. Both even even then we're both followers of Jesus. And I've never felt the forgiveness of Jesus displayed through a person in such a manner as that before. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is incredible. Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. But uh I'd love to talk about the things that we do now to really you know, serve others and help them to grow. That's, that's a really big deal. For sure. Let's knock on that door. Okay. Let's do that. Um, so yeah, I've kind of watched you transition from being kind of a virtual assistant podcast manager. You still do some of these things or had, had done some of these things, but now you're transitioning back into kind of owning your own thing, um, creating your own brand and building your own community. Um, and I know that you had, used to own like a music business um, and you shut that down and you felt like you were not called to be an entrepreneur anymore, but now you're back at it again. And yeah, I know that's a big transition for you. Um, yeah. Where are you at right now in your, in your journey? How does, 
how does your career reflect your purpose right now? Yeah, okay. I'm going to answer the question you didn't ask first and then get to the question you did ask because I think they both tie together really well. You talked about the music business and talked about how I've tied you know, used to do that and called away from that. And I, I want to emphasize because I think this really has the opportunity to serve somebody is uh, sometimes God will call you to divorce your dreams. Mm. The music business was my dreams. Oh man, I've loved dreaming. Even today when I'm listening to the music that I like listening to, I, I like, oh man, right? But it was another one of those slow processes, but God was saying, hey, you're not, you know, this isn't my plan for you. Don't, quit doing this. You're not going to do what you need to be doing. And so I had to accept that before I ever got here. And that's why I said they're tied together. And so that was a, a hard moment, but accepting, okay, God, this was my dream. I loved it. I wanted to do this, but it's not what you called me to do. Okay. Now, fast forward two, three, four years, somewhere in there, two, three, four years at now, circumstances arise to where, hey, I'm just trying to write a book. I just want to write one book to help people. In fact, the first book, that's what it was. I just wanted to write an argument to my friends to give them reasons for the faith. I wrote it to my friend uh, Dylan and to my brother Corey, uh, who are both not at the current time believing in Jesus. Um, they both subscribe to different uh, things, but I said, okay, you believe in logic and reason. That's great. I do too. Here, let me lay out a logical argument on why, why Christianity is true. So I wrote them a very, very extended letter <laughs> in the form of a book. Uh, put that out there. I'm like, okay, I'm done. But then the Lord knocked on my heart. Hey, there's also this other thing that I know you can talk about. And that's the, the no fake Christians message, which is going from being a pop Christian to really living as a genuine follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord helped us to put that together over about a year. And uh, then we thought, okay, well, you know, this is nice. It's out there. What are we going to do with it? <laughs> well, we just left it alone, but God continued to knock on our heart. At first I thought, okay, let me do a big business. Let me get this going. Let me run, let me run, run, go, go. Lord said, no, wait. But then to my surprise, after waiting for a few months, the Lord said, yeah, I want you to pick this up. And so that's about November of last year, we picked up the business side of this. And so uh, we went ahead and subscribed to a coaching program that we're in called the Book Profits Accelerator. And they've been really wonderful over there. We got everything set up. And it was actually through that, that we developed a course related to this and uh, a whole platform, like you said, specifically aimed at helping grow people in their faith. Mm -hmm. And so it was really a crazy transition from divorcing the thing that I thought I loved and doing something just to help somebody, write a letter to somebody. And then now this is the thing that I, I'm called to do. I still don't quite... It's like, what? How is that all? So for the, for the listener, you're using a lot of language that I understand but it's like, I'm called to do, God told me this. How, how are you so um, aware and convicted by the, these truths of like, uh, you know, I was told this or it was the time for this? How do, you, how do you know those things? Well, it all starts with having a relationship with your creator, right? So stepping back, like you said, hey, maybe I'm using some Christianese here. <laughs> all right. Uh, 
here's part of that. If you, how do, what's the best way of putting this? Okay, it makes sense without getting into the very long arguments and drawn out everything else, right? There's thousands of people that do that and there's thousands of books about that. That's not the play time place here. So let's just assume the argument, okay? If there is a creator, assuming there is, just about everything else is created, right? The technology you're using is created and we're much more advanced than that. So assuming there's a creator, if that creator is loving and wants a relationship with you, then, and if that creator is your creator, then he knows everything about you. So being in a relationship with that creator, you open yourself up to knowing more about his design for yourself. Again, if he's your creator, he has a design for you, right? Does that make sense? Is that like outside of Christianese jargony enough that we can like use that? Yeah, that's cool. Terminology. Okay. So knowing the person who made you allows you to know the design on your life a little bit better. And so when I say that God has called me to do something, I'm saying, hey, he's let me know that this is part of his design for my life. Each of us as created beings has a design on our life. Mm -hmm. It's up to us whether we'll choose to live out that, that design. You can use a vacuum cleaner to clean the floor or to bash a hole in the wall. It'll do both, but it's designed to do one of those. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, it's just paying attention to what, what he's said he wants me to do. And when you have a relationship with him, you can, you can pay attention to that because you're in communication. That's how that works. Right. Okay. Beautiful. So I, you are super, super dedicated in your faith walk. Um, and you've taught me a lot of things along the way. Um, I guess, I guess the core of it is about how to be a more genuine Christian, how to go deeper and more into maturity in your walk, um, how to live, live out what real Christianity looks like so that you draw others in. Um, can you explain kind of the importance of the, the discipleship that you do and how it relates to your sense of purpose? Yeah. And this is something I'm really glad that we get to get into. I was thinking about it as we started most of the time when you and I have a call, it's me asking you questions. Mm -hmm. This is the one time that it's like, awesome. You get to ask me questions. Uh, and for those of the audience, then yeah, that's how you say it, right? For those of the audience, sure. for you guys listening, um, that's what Tanner and I do almost every week. Uh, sometimes we miss a week, but we just check in with each other and do this thing called discipleship. So let's go ahead and talk about the discipleship thing. Can you re-ask your main question so that I can make sure to answer it really well? Yeah. How is uh, discipleship um, an extension of your purpose? What is discipleship and how is it an extension of your sense of purpose? Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So what is discipleship? Uh, getting out of sight of Christianese, again, to be a disciple of anyone is just to be a follower of that person, a learner of that person. That's what it means to be a disciple. That can either be a disciple of a school of thought or an actual person or both. It can mean you literally follow that person, like walking from town to town, flying from town to town or whatever. Or it can mean you ethically, morally, insert other word here, follow that person by living that person's message out where you are. So that's to be a disciple, right? So being a disciple of Jesus would mean... For us here today, 
that we follow the teachings and practices that he laid out. Simple enough concept, right? Makes sense. So why is discipling others an importance and why is it important for us ourselves to be a disciple? Well, because if Jesus is God, which I believe he is, and I believe that there is tons of evidence to support that, namely the resurrection. Um, but okay, if he is, then he has the authority to tell me what to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Okay. So now if he has the authority, then I'm going to look at what he says, recognize his authority and follow what he says. Right. So that's why it's important to be a disciple. Think about this. Uh, this is a lesser example, but I think it'll help get the point across. Police officers have the authority to tell us what to do. Lawmakers have the authority to make laws. We follow them because of the authority they have. In an ideal world, they make those laws and enforce those laws because they love us. Not always how that works in our world, but in an ideal world, that's how the theory is supposed to go, right? Mm-hmm. Well, God... In fact, Jesus being God loves us perfectly. He knows what's going to be best. And so his teachings are for our benefit. So as Christians, you and I, we follow him, one, because he is our Lord, which means he's the one who has authority over our lives. And two, because his intention for us is good. He desires good for us. That's why he lays out what he does. So we follow him trusting that his plan is best. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important to be a disciple. Now, why is it important to disciple somebody? Because without somebody to pour into you and help you understand and practice the teachings of Jesus, you run into the whole nominal Christianity, pop Christian thing that we're talking about where, okay, I went to church, I said a prayer, I'm good. (laughs) What are you doing with your life? Do you even know what prayer is? What's the Bible mean to you? Because you, I don't know about you, Tanner, but me, I've never really cared to read the Bible before I really committed my life to Christ. I said a prayer when I was young and then I, I owned a Bible. Maybe I'd get one at Christmas and then just sit there. I never yep. really understood prayer or cared to pray unless I was in an emergency and I wanted something for me. Right. That's not at all how you build a relationship, right? And that's the point of one of the points of discipleship is to one, follow, but the other is to build a relationship. And so when you yourself are a disciple of Jesus, one of the things you're called to do, one of the designs on your life, no matter who you are, is to then go help others to follow Jesus well. So in that process, um, we find, uh, sanctification that's the word right um when we're fulfilling the the great uh the great commission of finding more followers of jesus and discipling them we are then preparing ourselves to be um more like christ and one day we'll be able to meet christ because we have laid down our 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 worldly life to him is that right well there's a couple things there so um the pro <laughs> sorry, uh, you would know this, but uh, it's like for those who are just getting to meet me, I love getting in the weeds on technical stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just I have fun with that. I have fun with it. anyway. So the process that we were talking about earlier of how like God transformed my from being 
you know, selfish and ritualistic and addicted to things and violent to who I am today, that process, right? That's called sanctification. Right. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one we see in scripture who inspires and empowers God's people to do the thing God wants them to do. The wonderful thing is we have access to the Holy Spirit today, just like they did back then. Anyway, so that's the process of sanctification. Right. So one thing that's different about you and some of the other guests that are Christians is you're not living for impact necessarily in this world. But at the same time, it's something you're kind of keeping in mind. Can you explain like the whole paradigm shift of like living for eternity or living for not for this world um, and why that's so important as a Christian? Oh, I would love to, man. So unpacking what you said a little bit, uh, my thoughts are not always stuck on, okay, what am I going to get done tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I think about that, yeah, but it's not where, where I'm stuck on most time. A lot of the time, I think about, okay, is what I'm doing in this relationship, let's say my relationship with my wife, honoring to God? Or is what I'm doing in my business going to build results that, yes, I'd like people to pay attention. Yes, I want them to grow here. But is it going to help them grow in a way that they will be in eternity? Is it going to help them to grow in a way, if they're Christians, that they will be able to have a, a higher quality of their life with Jesus here and a more impact for there. And so when you're dealing with eternal matters, which uh, there's got to be a better way of saying that because that sounds very Christianese, like you're saying, um, how do we unpack that? <laughs> that's, that's a big word. Things that go beyond this life. There we go. Believing that there is life after this and that there's things that happen, right? That'll work. So when you're dealing with things that come after this life, you really need to think about what happens in this life and that as a result. I feel like that could have been clearer, but you know. So how do you think about, how do you think about things in this life um, in relation to things beyond this life? Really keeping in mind the, the death of my friend, that's a, that's a great way. Or even um, like I had a very traumatic experience happen last night where somebody we love and we pour into and uh, we just care so deeply about it's a family member of ours, uh, decided that they're going to go ahead and, and join a cult. And part of the stipulations of that cult is they can no longer participate with us in spiritual discussions as we used to. And all of us really enjoyed doing that together. And that just got laid on me last night. Whoa. And so keeping things like that in mind reminds me that, hey, people's eternal destinies really, really matter. So what am I doing today to pour into people's eternal destinies? How am I helping them to see eternity? How am I helping them to keep that in mind and live in a way that's going to be great for them here today, but is going to be even better for them after they die? So yes, you're living, you're doing great today, you're, you're growing but it doesn't stop here. Mm -hmm. Your growth then leads into eternity, into a life-giving circumstance, let's put it that way. It's something better than we can imagine. And so our growing here helps for that. 
Thank you for listening to part one of this interview with Tom Wilcox on helping Christians become deeply committed in their faith. Be sure to check out next week's episode as we wrap up our conversation with Tom talking about building authentic and unique relationships through intentionality, his process of becoming a writer, and other wisdom-filled topics.